All right, all right. Again, welcome to Northwood Church. Everybody who's watching online, we love you. We're praying for you. This is gonna be a great day today as we gather every single week. We have people gathering at all of our locations and right here in the room. Uh, I do wanna say this. Uh, if you're new with us and you're just kicking the tires or you've been coming for the first couple of weeks, we love you. We hope you feel safe and comfortable here. Uh, we're doing everything we can to continue uh, staying safe and, and believing God's gonna do a work in our hearts. Whether you're gathering online or right here, we're praying for you and we, we think that God's gonna impact you if he hasn't already. And so it's gonna be a great day. I do wanna say this for those who are in the room. Our zero to four ministry is, is open. And uh, let's give it up for the ladies serving in our zero to four. We honor you guys. They're doing a great job. We're looking at uh, extending our kids' ministry in the older ages as we go in the beginning of the year. But I do want to remind you of that. We also have a family room right here in the uh, south lobby uh, with some TVs. And so if you got to go in there, make yourself available. It's going to be great. Well, my name's Casey. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I've got to pr the privilege of actually introducing a gentleman uh, by the name of Dan Oler King. He's been friends of Northwood now for over a decade. He's the director of Children's Cup. I will say this about Dan. He is one of the most genuine relational guys that I know. He's able to connect with all kind of people. And we're gonna hear his heart today about Children's Cup. So Northwood, I want you to give a great big hand for Dan Oler King. Come on, Dan. Wow, that's scary looking up there and seeing yourself on the screen, like especially that, that view right there, like wow, that's, I didn't know that was there, or not there. I tell you what, I love this church. I got to be here, was it 10, 12 years ago? The first time I came, Micah Butterfield was hosting an Impact Youth deal in here. And uh, it's, Micah and Ashley are like two of my favorite people in the world, as are Pastor Van and Jan. I have shared wisdom that I overheard you giving another pastor uh, so many times, and I just, you... You guys are a blessing, and Pastor Casey, I told your wife this morning, I said, you make me laugh in ways I never thought I could, or should. You know, sometimes I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry, but that's really funny. Um, and I just, there's so many people here that I love. Brittany Comstock, we were on staff together at a church in Baton Rouge for 100 years. She was three when she started on staff, so she's... But uh, one of the honors I've got in, in my life today, which I've got many, I've got a, a wife of 32 years, we've got five kids, we've got two that are married, and we've got one that's got a grandkid, uh, so that grandkid's amazing. Anybody got grandkids in here? We could just stop right now and have church, right? I mean, man, it's so much easier, so much fun. Uh, but I've got a great family, I've been blessed with that, and my parents actually started Children's Cup almost 29 years ago. They had a dream in their heart to feed three or 400 kids in hard places of the world and tell them about Jesus. And that was a big dream for them because they were like, hey, it's going to take everything we got. So they put their credit cards together, maxed them all out, started this ministry. And today it's about 10,000 kids that we're taking care of. We're feeding them. We're telling them about Jesus. And it's not, it's not just that. It's not just feeding them and telling them about Jesus. The food it's great, you know, that, that, that gets their attention. You can't tell them about Jesus while they're starving. Uh, or, you know, it's, it's just hard to get kids' attention anyway. But when they're hungry, you put food in front of them, then you can talk to them. Um, so it starts with that, but there's, we, we, now we get to take care of them, body, mind, and spirit. Our goal is not just to see kids healthy, see kids not hungry, see kids not running with gangs when they get older. We want to see kids find hope. And that means you've got to give them Jesus. And that means taking care of them body, mind, and spirit. So in body, what we talk about is we, 
We give them food, but we also do medical attention. We've got, we're starting, in fact, very, uh, in 2021, our, our program for Upward Sports. Y'all heard of Upward Sports? Okay, we, I used to coach my kids because they were not great athletes, nor was I, but we could do sports by doing Upward Sports. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like everybody's a winner. Like, you lost. It was 23 to nothing, but nobody kept score. Um, I, got kid, I got one kid. He says to this day he hit a grand slam. I'm like, yeah, there was like 14 errors, but it was a grand slam. Yeah, that's great. Uh, anyway, we're, we're starting an upper sports program to help them physically. Uh, the kids at these, we call it care points, centers in communities. We've got six countries we're in, two in Af- Southern Africa and four in Latin America. And um, there's 56 of these care points. So what we're going to do is we're going to have upward sports teams at these care points and play uh, games against each other and stuff. And that will help them physically. So th- that's the body part. Mind, we help them with education. In Southern Africa, we have primary school or preschools. Uh, but most of the other places we are doing after school help with these kids. In fact, at the one care point we're talking about today with you guys in Honduras, we are just a couple weeks away from starting a program where we actually have laptops at the care point. Now, that sounds like, wait, we're sponsoring kids, but this is a lap, we're putting laptops at the care points. Well, y'all know COVID-19 hits, kids are home doing school, and even in Honduras, they're saying we're going to do school online. Well, these kids that are in poverty, they don't have access to the internet as much as they should. They don't have laptops, they don't have computer devices to be able to do their school on, so we're putting laptops at the care point, which makes them come, and we talk to them about Jesus while we're helping them with their school. Um, Older kids, a lot of times we are able to have a program where we are uh, we're helping them get ready for work, get ready for a career. Because our prayer is that these kids not only find hope and are inspired to dream, but they actually grow up and change their world from the inside out. And all of that, so body, mind, and then spirit, that's the part where we are giving them Jesus all the way around. Every direction, every t- everywhere they turn, they're getting told about Jesus. They're getting shown Jesus. They're being given an opportunity to give their life to Jesus, get baptized, and to serve to show Jesus to others. One of the coolest things, it was uh, one of the care points in Honduras. Actually, I think it's this care point that we're, we're talking about today. Some of the kids, older kids at this care point, you know, there was the, all the hurricanes this year. How many hurricanes hit the Gulf South? Like 93, something like that. Um, two of them went to Honduras and basically followed the same path just a few weeks ago. Remember that? Well, there was mudslides. Our care points were okay, but one of the neighborhoods we're in there were some mudslides, got in this one lady's home about a foot deep of just mud. And uh, she's the kind of lady that just was the grumpy neighbor person, like the Mr. Wilson of the neighborhood. You know what I mean? She's like pushed everybody away. She's bitter at the world, angry at everything. Well, these kids at the care point decided, older kids, like teenagers, they decided, hey, let's go clean her house up for her. And broke her. I mean, it, she's boohooing by the time it's over. And I was like, okay, great. We made an impact on this lady. But where I really got excited was these kids chose to do that on their own. That wasn't a program we set up and said, hey, guys, let's go clean homes, which is great. Would have been a cool idea. I wish I'd have thought of it. But these kids thought of it on their own. It says to me they've found hope and they want to share it. They've got a dream to help make an influence to change their world from the inside out. And that's the impact that giving them body, mind, and spirit, caring for them, giving them hope does that to them. So what we're doing today is more of these kids. There's about... There's about, uh, I think it was 12 more of these profiles. I got one here, so 13 profile cards here in the room. And then we've got a link online. You can look at a bunch more kids' profiles. Uh, It's special for Northwood Church. It's just childrenscup.org slash Northwood. Pretty easy. But So if you're watching online, that's how you can do this. You can go and check out a profile. It's got the kid's picture, got her name. This is Claudia. 
and uh, she is almost 18. So we don't re- usually sponsor kids that are uh, much older than that. The 18, we don't. So this, this girl's like got less than a year left of actually being able to be sponsored, but she, her dream is to start a business. Our prayer is that we see some of these kids grow up and start businesses that change the economy of their community so that their kids don't need to be sponsored. That makes sense? We want to see kids grow up to plant churches so there's a life-giving church in every community. We want to see these kids grow up to make a difference and change the world from the inside out. So this, this girl, her, she's got five young, younger siblings. Her, her dad left when she was younger, loves to play soccer. She's got this dream. I'm, so you can read a profile about them, got their birth date on there. And I'll just to tell you this, I'm not asking you to sponsor a kid. I'm asking you to pray. I say, God, would you want me and my family to sponsor a kid or 12, whatever. <laughs> but for real, ask God, do you want us to sponsor a kid? And if, if he says, if he leans on you to do it, then he will point you to the right kid. And it could be online. There's the same kids on the cards and online. There's just a lot more online. But if you pray about it and God says, here, yeah, that's the kid. I want you to sponsor Claudia or Emilio or whatever, whichever kid that is. Then I promise you, you won't miss. It's $39 a month. I promise you, you won't miss that 39 bucks. If God's telling you to do it, you're not going to miss that. Y'all ever done something where God prompted you to give and you can't even remember missing that money, but you very much remember the blessing of it? That's, that's the story that happens here with this. And here's the deal. It's, I can tell you, and I mean, God's probably got more up his sleeve about it, but one way that's going to happen is when you swap letters with this kid, you sponsor a kid. If you write a letter to Claudia, she's going to write back, and you get to exchange, and you get to tell your story. You can ask Claudia to pray for you. One of the smartest things you'll ever do is ask a kid to pray for you, especially a kid that's living in these kind of conditions because their faith is at a different level sometimes than ours. It'll break you down. I've been broken down more times having a kid in Africa or in Honduras pray over me. Is it just, man, God's in it. So anyway, swapping letters, it gives you a chance to share your faith. And you think, well, I can't preach. I can't, I can't lead a small group here at Northwood. I can't really be a greeter. I'm not that nice. I'm kind of a mean person. <laughs> well, writing a letter, you can throw the letter away until it looks nice. You know, whatever. But just it, it gives you a chance to experience God using you. The $39 a month is a legitimate investment. You won't miss it. What you will remember is the letters you've exchanged. And one day we'll take a trip to Honduras and you guys get to meet the kids you sponsor, which is really cool. That's a life-changing event for that kid to meet this person they've been swapping letters with. But it's also a life-changing event for you. You see where God has actually used you in a way you never thought possible. So I'll be back at the table at the end of the service today. If you have questions about how the sponsorship works, uh, I'll be standing there by those cards. I'd love to help you out any way I can. Pastor Casey, thank you so much. Yeah, come on, let's give it up for Dan. Stay up here with us, Dan. Come on, come on. You know, my face is still itching when I hugged you from that beard, and I don't know if I should touch my foot. No, I'm just kidding. He just wanted to find out what was in this beard. I'm like, nothing, it's just beard. I was testing his beard before we came out. Anyways. <laughs> come on, we can laugh, everybody. That's it's right, funny. You know right. what I'm talking about? It's the, anyways. I'm growing a toupee. Yeah. I, saw that I told him he should braid his beard, you know what I mean? Because then I can hug him and he can just swing the braids over. <laughs> like I said, ways I laugh. I no, we love Dan Olerking. We love Children's Cup. And uh, really, in, in behalf of uh, Pastor Jordan, the entire staff, but also all of you guys, uh, you, you who are faithful in your giving to the Lord, really, we're able to do these things where otherwise we weren't yeah. able to do them. Yeah, yeah, very and much. And so it, it's really a big deal. Not every one of us can go to Af- Africa. Not every one of us can go to Honduras. But as a team, 
We each play a vital role. And, and I believe that's how God operates in networking us together through powerful relationships. And that's kind of how we do it here at Northwood Church. Uh, we, we, we re- we're really more interested in the people of the organization than the organization's mission statement. Um, and that's, that's how it is with Dan, and there's many other missions partners that we're a part of. But I just want to tell you, really, that that's our heart, uh, is when we connect with real, authentic, genuine people like Dan, we're able to get behind their mission and support it. Some are going to be able to travel and some not, but we are able to give because of that. So we want to present yeah. you a check, Dan. Rob, why don't you come on out? Oh really, God. in behalf of Northwood Church, wow. uh, we want to present you a $10,000 check today. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That's a big check in two ways. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a big check. I don't know wow. if they'll take that at the bank, but <laughs> But uh, we love we love Dan. And so here's what we want to do. We want to go ahead and pray for Dan. And we want to pray for Children's Cup and uh, we we just love this organization and we love Dan. Father, we thank you for Dan. God, we pray right now over Children's Cup. God, all the facets, all the intricate details from traveling to to on the grounds in different nations. God, we're praying that you would increase favor in those areas, God, that you would increase their network, even with the locals at a greater degree, God. Lord, we're praying that you would give them wisdom. Lord, you said he who wins souls is wise. And so, Father, we're praying for the wisdom of God to come upon Dan, God, as he embarks in a brand new year with different uh, hurdles, God, and different things and different strategies. God, we're praying that you would open up his eyes to new strategies, God. God, I pray that you would unfold new things, God. The old strategies worked for a while, but there's new strategies, God. And so we speak that over Dan right now, God. We pray for health as he travels. God, we pray for all the care points right now, God, and all the children represented behind the care points. God, ultimately, God, we're praying that they would find you, Jesus, that they they would get saved and reconciled to God, Lord. We're praying that the Great Commission would come alive like never before through Children's Cup, God. New strategies to win the lost, God. We thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up one more time, everybody. You never prayed a prayer more spot on than that. I'll just tell you that right now. I'll come back and tell the story one day, but you never prayed a prayer more spot on than that. Right on time. Come on, brother. Good job. Thank you. So we we love Dan. Right here, brother. Yeah, you don't want to step off. You got to travel, man. You you know. (laughs) Well, today's a real special day. Um, we, we, We have a guest speaker with us today. He, he heralds from God's country, and, and we call it the big wig, Wiggins. And uh, he's from our Wiggins location. Uh, we, we as pastors have had the privilege of serving with this gentleman for many, many, many years. And I don't want to take up any more of his time. But Arnie Williams, why don't you come on up here today and share the word. Let's give it up for Arnie, everybody. Come on, come on. Come on. Let's give it up. Let's give it up for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's give it up for what he has already done in this house. Let's give it up for what he is going to do. Amen. You guys are looking awesome out there today. As Pastor Casey has stated, I'm from the big wig up north. I think, Pastor Van, you brought that concept, the wig is the big wig. It has stuck. 
It is truly an honor to be here today. I, I, I am genuinely excited. Pastor Jordan, thank you uh, for giving me the opportunity to share today. All of the staff pastors, we've, we've been partnering for a long time over the years. I remember Pastor Casey and I actually used to sit uh, uh, guests as they came into uh, building number two, and that was a whole lot of fun. And we even look back at Pastor Mike. I was sharing with him last week. Man, we've been running this thing together for 20 years. 20 years. So my heart goes out to Pastor Mike. Of course, we know that he is serving in Wiggins today. But, you know, while I'm on that, you know, I, I can truly say this from the bottom of my heart. I would not be standing here today if it were not for men like Pastor Mike and Pastor Van and the staff here that have given me the opportunity to learn. They've been patient with me. They've nurtured me. And I'll tell you what, if, if, you, if you have not surrounded yourself with a small group, I'm one of our small group coaches, and I'll tell you what, but that's, that's where the rubber really meets the road for Northwood. So I challenge you and encourage you, when we start up this next semester, get in a small group. That's where true growth and development and relationships start. I also like to take just a brief moment to honor my wife. Uh, she's here on the front row. She may be a little bit more nervous than I am. And my... <laughs> And my family is here as well. We're so excited again to be here. I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm excited about this season. You know, in August, you know, when, when you get that first cool day and you begin to think that fall is right around the corner, but then it turns 100 degrees a couple of more weeks. <laughs> but it lets you know that the holiday season is right around the corner. And that excites me. I began to think about Christmas and anticipating Christmas. And then around about uh, the end of September, you start seeing Christmas trees go up and the, and the stores start decorating everything. And then Thanksgiving is right upon us. And we used to have Black Friday. Now we have Black Week. Now it, it, you, you can actually have a Black Month in April. I've heard people say, you know, it's like a Black Friday for the month of Christmas in April. I'm like, what is that? We are some anticipatory people. And then, of course, this is my favorite, the Christmas songs. Everybody like to sing Christmas songs? You know you don't know the words to those songs you be singing. But you know what? It's Christmas. Make it up. It's okay. Thank God for the worship team, and they gave us an awesome set today, but I'm so glad y'all had the words on the screen, because we don't know those songs. So we're going to continue our series that was started on last week, beautiful series titled Advent, and we learned on last week that Advent is simply the arrival or the coming of something or someone that is special. And of course, according to the church calendar, this is really centered around and focused on the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The world was anticipating his arrival. They felt that he was going to bring joy, peace, love, and hope. And of course, and, and, and that's what they were waiting on. They were anticipating this. So last week, we talked about peace. Last week, we talked about peace. Today, we're going to talk about joy. And I want to express the word joy in the terms of true joy. Because a lot of times we get true joy confused with happiness. So we look at the scripture. Our first scripture here is found in Zechariah 9 and 9. Now before I read the scripture, I want to kind of set the tone a little bit. Zechariah was one of the many prophets in the Old Testament that was prophesying about the Messiah. But you have to take just a step back to say, why was he telling us to rejoice so greatly? 
This was at a time to where the children of Israel had been delivered out of Egypt. They had gone into the promised land, if you will, and they had been beaten up by everybody and their uncle. I mean, everybody was taking the time to just smashing them. And it was a tough time. The Assyrians had taken off the northern kingdom. Babylonians had taken off the southern kingdom. And this was an opportunity right here to where the, the, the Persians and the Medes was giving them an opportunity. God had touched the heart of the king, and he was allowing them to come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and to rebuild the temple. And Zechariah was telling them and encouraging them to repent and not to forget the covenant that God had established with them way before that time. So in Zechariah 9 and 9, he's saying here, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation is he. He's telling them to rejoice greatly. He is trying to get them to understand that there is a promise that is coming. And if we keep our eyes on the prize, we'll have an opportunity to rejoice just the way that he had planned for us in the original covet from the very, very beginning. So we have to understand here that there is a promise at stake. Now, when we hear the word promise, there's one thing that you can count on. It's not right now. If I promise you something, that means it's going to be coming at some point in time later on. Well, around about the time when Zechariah was telling the, the children of Israel to rejoice, guys, it was around about 500 B.C. 500 years to even come before Jesus would even be introduced into the world. Man, if I give my kids a promise, sometimes we can't even wait till the next day. <laughs> and he's saying here, rejoice greatly. And it's like, well, when is he coming? He should hurry up. We're getting beat right and left. We can't take anymore. Zachariah, what, what, what is this all about? So we have to understand that when promises are told to us, we have to stand on those promises. And unfortunately, for a lot of times, when the promise don't come, when we want it to come, guys, we just kind of fade to the side. And we begin to search and look for things that God never promised. And we find ourselves in the children of Israel doing the same thing here. So we have to look back. When we talk about joy, we talk about true joy. Who on this earth has ex ever experienced true joy? Well, we have to go back to Genesis. We know that Adam and Eve was in the garden. It was a perfect situation. They had a perfect relationship with God. They were made in the image of God. So they were the only ones to really experience true joy. Now we know that the enemy came and he tricked them, right? So when the enemy came and tricked them, guess what? They lost that perfect relationship with God. They lost that joy. God had put joy in them. We, we, are, we are individuals that are looking for joy. And we need that joy. And that's why we go look for it. But sin has stolen that from us. Unfortunately, we go by and go through our life looking for something to fill that void. I believe Pastor Joy mentioned last week that there's a void there's a void in our life for peace. There's a void in our life for hope and, and joy. And when we don't find it, we'll go and start looking for it in other places. All of humanity is searching for joy. The difference is, is where are we going to try to find this thing that we call true joy? And here lies the issue because we confuse a lot of time the joy of the Lord with happiness. One thing that we must understand that as Christians, 
Christian joy is not worldly happiness. Say that with me. Christian joy is not worldly happiness. You're not going to find it in the world. People often say, I just want to be happy. I've said it. You said it. I'll probably say it again. We just want to be happy. We like to feel good. We are some feeling Christians. And a lot of times that leads us down wrong roads. A lot of times that, believe, that sends us down the road that will tell us promises that God really never promised at all. He, he, he never promised it. So what does this, this, this mean? I just want to be happy. What makes you happy? Think about it. What really makes you happy? There's not a ha enough happy in the whole world to keep you happy every day. I mean, you can assign me to you and I can't keep you happy all day. I can just walk around keeping you happy. Oh, are you happy? 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 You need this. And it doesn't work like that. I mean, as funny as that may seem, sometimes we put that kind of pressure on people that are close to us and they can't deliver. And in fact, you can't even deliver it to yourself. You can't keep yourself happy. You, 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 it just ain't gonna happen. An author, Mr. Tim Keller, he said it like this. What the world calls happiness is getting control of your life so that you keep your circumstances favorable. Mr. Keller, if I can get control of my life, I would have did it a long time ago. <laughs> I've not given up on trying to get control of my life. I've also given up on trying to get people to get me on the control of my life. Outside of God, it just, it's impossible, people. That's not enough happy in the world. And we as Christians, we got to get past happy, clappy Christianity. We got to get past it. There's going to be some trials and there's going to be some tribulation. And I'm telling you what, God says that he has overcome the world. He says we're going to have some, so expect something. Come on, hope. We got to expect something. And when it comes, we got to know how to stand. My God, thank you, Lord, for that. Mr. Keller, you're, you're on to something right there. We can't get control of our own life because it's all circumstantial. It's all circumstantial. Up one day, down the next day. I told the group last week, I like a good roller coaster ride, but I don't want my life going through ups and downs. I need something to help keep me steady during the trials and the tribulations of this life. And that's going to be the word of God, and we have to be anchored in that. But still, 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 we go and try to find true joy in so many different places. We've already re mentioned relationships. And while we're on here, those that are, that are married in this room today, your husband ain't going to, I'm sorry. I hate to break the news to you. He can't do it in his own strength. And to the husband, the wife can't do it. You're going to need Jesus. You're going to need something bigger and finer and stronger and more muscular than that man. I'm, there ain't enough happy in the world. I'm telling you what, you can commit to this, this New Year resolution that we're all going to make. I'm going to get buffer, tougher, stronger. I'm telling you, you're going to need more than that. So check yourself when you're putting this level of pressure on individuals that are in your relationships. Sometimes we can try to find happiness and true joy rather in a better job. I've had several jobs. I think statistics say now that the average person is going to change jobs about 8, 9, 10, 11 times before they settle this thing out. So we know it ain't in the job. But yet and still, we go and knocking on the door, 
filling out the resumes, trying to, few, trying to find a new job. And the sad part about that is sometimes we're running from the people that God has put in our life to witness to. But we can't stand a little cussing on the job, so we begin to start praying to God for a new job. I'm like, whoa. He said, that's why I sent you. Well, Lord, I ain't happy today. They cussed, and somebody stole my lunch out of the refrigerator. That must have been the devil. Surely. <laughs> Sometimes we try to find any more money, and that's, that's a big one. That one right there gets a lot of us right there. Guys, it's, it's not going to be in your money. I'll tell you what, there are some people out there right now, sick as they can be, and you can give them another million dollars. It ain't going to make no difference. That, 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 that joy that they're trying to seek. And you know, I'm reminded of a scripture. You know, it, it says that sin is fun for a season. You remember that? Sin is fun for us. So when you get all the money that you got and you didn't did all the playing that you can play and bought all the stuff that you can buy, I'm telling you what, you're just going to have a whole lot of money, but you're still going to be empty on the inside. You're still going to be empty on the inside. We can try to find it in new cars, new houses, and this is the worst one, new location. I'm just going to move to a whole other city. You taking yourself, the issue is on the inside of you. It wasn't your house. It wasn't your address. The mailman still gonna come put that same bill in your box. You can move to Texas, here you go. Same bill, same. You can't run from that credit card bill. They got your social. <laughs> you can't run. We also try to, to, to find true joy in, in, in a lot of different experiences. And we have to be careful with this one. We have to be real careful, because this one is sneaky. This one is sneaky. There's a lot of new age spiritualism in our culture today. And it comes through the media. It comes through TV. It comes through self-help books. And they tell you to focus on loving yourself a little bit more. They tell you if I can just enjoy myself a little bit more. They tell you if you can just get a little bit more, then you'll be happy. And a lot of that stuff in those books, if you read them, guys, it's real close to the word. It is so very close. I remember I went to my banker's office one day and uh, there was a book on the desk and it was like, you know, uh, how, how to express death or what happens after death. And I got that book. It was interesting and I read it and I read it. I said, man, that sounds very good. And then I won't call out the name of the religion, but in the back of it, if you want to know more about being a blah, 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 blah. And we know that this one is one that does not believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But they had everybody going to heaven in that book but it didn't register with my spirit. And when I got to the book, I, at the end of the book, I was not surprised to see what I saw. There's a lot of stuff out there and it's tricking our young people. It's in our school systems and we have to be careful and warn our kids about these things because the enemy is sneaky. I mean, that's how he tricked up Eve. Well, Adam and Eve, we're gonna put the man in there. That's how he got him. It was so close to what, Jesus, what God had said. But when we can't discern and know the word of God, guess what? We're susceptible to being tripped up. We're susceptible to being tripped up. So all of these new age ideas that are out there, they're all so self-centered. But when it's all said and done, they're going to leave us lacking and empty. Lacking and empty. And this is the reason why. Because it is a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. 
And that's what the enemy is. He is the great counterfeiter. He is the great deceiver. He is the liar and the father of lies. Man, that, that's the name of his game. You would read his mission statement. He, he would call, I'm the liar. I'm the deceiver. That's what he exists for. And happiness at relative to uh, true joy is a counterfeit. And this is why. This is why. Because joy is costly. Joy is costly. And we often accept or take the easy way out by jumping on the counterfeit happiness bandwagon and it leaves us feeling empty. Let me explain just a little bit. When I think about Jesus, when I think about all that he went through, when I think about the pain and the suffering, I can stand here today and I'm saying, I am so glad. I am so glad, and you should be too, that he didn't go to the Father and say, Father, these people got some bad intentions out for me. Now, I know where I've come from, and I know how good it is there. Let me, I'm just going to clock out. We're going to come back, and we're going to let them fend for themselves. We're going to let them continue to walk under that old curse of the law. We're going to let them just continue to wander around out here. But he did not say that, ladies and gentlemen. He said, that, he said that it was the joy that was set before him that allowed and it caused him to endure the pain and the suffering that he went through. And if he did it, we're going to have to do the same thing. He said, they hated me, they're going to hate you too. So when you're out here in this world and you're living this life, we can no longer as Christians allow our circumstances to dictate our relationship with God. In fact, it's an indictment on us when we allow the little bitty things that come about us in life just to throw us completely off track. I am so glad that he stood there and he took it. I am so glad that he has such a great relationship with God. I am so glad that he loved God bigger than his circumstances. I am so glad he was obedient to the mission and the cause that God has sent him down here to do, which was to save the world. Can you imagine if he had not gone to that cross where you would be today? I can't even fathom it in my mind. It would be a tough place. So how did Jesus bring joy to this world? Luke 2 and 10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. He says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. The good news, people, is Jesus. That's the whole crux of this whole thing. At this point in time, you were not even a citizen of heaven because he had not gone and died on the cross yet. It was for the Jews. It wasn't even for you. But the scriptures let us know that now, now because you once were without hope and without God is what the scripture says. You weren't even a part of the covenant. But after this right here, he says, now I have given you a better covenant based on better promises with a better mediator because man couldn't keep the covenant that he had established back with Abraham. That is something to be joyful about. And I'm telling you what, if that don't ring your bell as a Christian today, something wrong with your bell. Something wrong with your bell. That's what this whole thing is centered around. And we have been reconciled to him. 
Scripture lets us know that he did all of this to establish that relationship that he had with Adam and Eve back in the garden. And he reconciled us to himself. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. He made us the righteousness of God. He forgave us of all of our sins. He's healed us of all of our sickness and disease. And we're joint heirs with him. I know that scares you sometimes, but that's what the scripture says. And if we don't want to identify with what he has called us, when the enemy comes to steal your joy, that's why he steals it so easily because you don't see yourself as a joint heir of the risen king, the Lord of lords, undisputed. He's the champion of the whole world. And that's something to be joyful and excited about today. A lot of times we get, we, 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 we get it twisted. We get it twisted and we think, hey, I, I got to be happy all the days of my life. I'm safe. Oh, thank you, Lord. All my troubles. All my trials, everything is going to be all right now. So James 1 and 2 says here, as we talk about what does this thing uh, look like in the, in, the, in the life of a believer. In James 1 and 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, Jesus has come, Right? His ministry is going on. He's been here about 32, 33 years. And we go over to the book of James, and we begin to talk about trials and tribulations. And James says, count it all joy. Can you imagine if somebody walked up to you and was like, man, is that the best you got? Come on, 500 years ago, Zachariah was talking about the coming, greatly rejoiced. And I get to this point in my life, and I got to count it all joy. Man, that ain't good. I ain't trying to count nothing joy. In fact, I don't want to go through no trials. If I got to go through some trials, you can have it. Keep it. And so many times we say that. It's the best you got. And that's what the scripture says right there. He tells us to count it all joy. I wrote this, and I want to read it just as I wrote it, because I think it's critical for us to understand it. It says, we often associate joy with a smile on one's face or a positive attitude. To count or consider trials of life, joy may not produce either may not produce either true joy is not achievable in your own strength and certainly cannot be based on smiles and positive attitudes true joy is based on a revelation of who God is and that's what we got we got to get a revelation of this thing about true joy we got to have it. I'm reminded of what a revelation is. A revelation is when you've gotten something so deep on the inside of you, can't nobody take it away. Can't nobody take it away. When God gives it and you, I, I'm not talking about the Bible. You can read that Bible all day and it's encouraged to do so. But man, you got to get a revelation so when the storms of life come, you got something you can hold on to. You got to have a revelation. That's, that, 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 it'll stick to you. And when the enemy comes with his lies, you can tell him where to go and what to do with him because you got the word of God in you. And he said that you can say it because I've given you all power and authority in this earth. But you got to know where you stand and you got to have a revelation of that. I remembered of the, the, the story here with Peter and, uh, and, and, and Jesus asked Peter, he said, Peter, he said, who do, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Peter thought about that thing for a second. He says, he says, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. That conversation went on a little bit further. And Jesus told me, he says, he said, Peter, 
you, you did not get that through flesh and blood. You didn't get that through flesh and blood. He went on to tell him, he said, upon that revelation, upon that rock, upon that understanding, he told him this. He said, I can build on that. He said, I can build on that. And that's what we got to do. We got to get the revelation of the word in our hearts so that God can begin to build on something that's on the inside of you. The first revelation that we got to get is that, rev that revelation that Jesus is Lord. We got to have that one first. Yeah, it'd be kind of like the Monopoly game. Don't, don't, you can't even pass go. You got to get that revelation first. You got to get that one first. In essence, what we're saying here, we have to submit to God. We got to submit our life to God. Guys, I'm amazed at the, the things that even I do in my life that I try to do without even consulting God first. And then when it fails, I want to I wanna charge him and say, Lord, where were you? He's like, I'm right here. And I was right here when you started this thing, Arnie. Would you, would you, would you, would you like to invite me into this little, little mess you got? <laughs> and he helps us to straighten it out. Thank God for his grace. But Jeremiah 30 and 22 says, you shall be my people and I will be your God. I will be your God. From the very beginning, that's all he ever wanted to do was to be your God. With Adam and Eve, he wanted to be their God. When they screwed it up with Abraham and the following and his crew, he just wanted to be their God. When they went into the promised land, he just wanted to be their God. And he's wanting to be our God today. But in so many instances, we are just like the children of Israel that went into the promised land. We saw the, the other tribes. They're like, man, they got kings. They can talk to them. I, I, I can touch them. I can see them. And they began to, 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 to want and desire another God. And God says, okay. And he'll do the same thing. Okay. Matter of, okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you what you ask for. And he gave them, he gave them a king. But he also warned them. He told them what the king was going to do. He told them that the king was going to want the kids. He told the king he would want your food. He, he told, he warned them. But yet and still, they said, give me a king. And all he ever wanted to do was to be the God. That's all he ever wanted. And we got to get that revelation that he wants to be the God of your life. Second revelation is that God has the perfect plan for your entire life. For your entire life. Come on, people. You were conceived. He knew you before you formed. You were formed in your mother's womb. How did we get 18 or 19 or whatever the magical age is today and we start to say, I got this. You ain't got nothing. You can't do this on your own. If you could have fixed this, you would have fixed it a long time ago. You need God. And we go and we plan for our lives and we just plan, we plan, we plot it out. We'll have posters and pictures in our room. I'm going to get that, I'm going to get that, I'm going to get that. I'm going to be here in five years. We've got a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a 20-year plan. And God ain't nowhere on the whole board. And we wonder why it fails. We wonder why the, the bottom falls out of it as soon as you come out of the gates. But God has a plan for your entire life and we must trust him with our life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, 
for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. He knows the plan for your life. And if you surrender it to him, guys, I tell you, some of these ups and downs that we're facing, we ain't got to go through them. We ain't got to go through them. And even if we do, the scripture says he'll be right there with you. The scripture says he'll hold your hand. He says if the river gets up to your neck, he said it would not drown you. He said if you walk through the fire, he said you'll come out not even smelling like smoke because he is with you. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that when the Holy Spirit came upon, came upon Jesus that he was baptized. And the scripture lets me know that it was the spirit that led him out into the wilderness. But we don't want to have no wilderness. And I'm not saying we got to have one. But the point of the matter is this. If you find yourself out there. Oh, if you just happen to find yourself out there. Just as God gave the angels charge to oversee and watch over Jesus and to tend for him. And to even when the enemy was just tempting them right and left. The angels from heaven were right there with him. And they'll be there with you. You got to trust them with your entire life. And you got to get a revelation of that. Third revelation is that God loves you more than you can love yourself. I know, I know, I know we like our pedicures. I know we want to get our nails done. We want to take great vacations and all the other stuff we've tried to, 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 to come up with to make us feel good on the inside. But man, you can't love yourself more and harder than God. You can't do it. That, it's, it's futile. You can't buy it. The Lord knows nobody else can give it to you. You can't do it. You have to rest in God. You have to rest in God. Romans 5 and 8 says, But God demonstrate his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, while you were still out there tearing up the town, wide open, letting it rip. Am I talking to anybody? Ha! I know it. Ha, <laughs> I know it. The scripture says Christ died for you. He died for you. And guys, he, he hadn't moved from that spot. He, he hadn't moved from that spot. He died for you. He has reconciled you unto himself. And as we stated earlier, all he is saying is, I, 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 want, I, want, I want to be your God. Can I, can I, can I be your God? That, he's still saying, it. can I be your God? Will you surrender and submit your life to me? So we know now with this revelation, that's what it's going to take to give us a little grit to come through this thing. We know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And these are just two areas. There are many areas, but these are just two I want to point out for you, kind of like a little caution symbol in the road. If the enemy tries to get you to lose your joy, a lot of times, particularly for the believer, it's through suffering. What is suffering? Suffering is the enemy's attempt to get you to believe that God will not deliver upon his promises. That's what he wants you to believe. He is not going to come through. He, it, 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 if he was going to come through, well, where is he? You've been in this thing for two whole days. Where's your God? <laughs> they mocked him. The enemy going to try to mock you too. Where is your God? You're 30 minutes in. I heard you praying. Man, we got to stand for something. A lot of times we don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through. 
2 Corinthians 1 and, 20 says, 1 and 20 says, For all of the promises of God in him are yes and him amen to the glory of God through us. What we got to understand is that God is not slack on fulfilling his promises. They are yes and amen. But what we do, guys, is we get our circumstances and we go and try to put God and cover our circumstances rather than taking our circumstances to God, listening for his voice and letting him navigate us through this thing. So then if we don't do that, we find ourselves in a, in a ditch somewhere and we wonder like, I'm a Christian. I gave my life. This suffering. And guys, that God never promised that. He never, sometimes, sometimes we, we hear what we want to hear. You ever, ever talk to somebody like that? They hear what they want to hear. And then two weeks later, you come back and go, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. God said, I didn't, I didn't, I, I never told you that that wouldn't, wouldn't be trials and tribulations. He said, he, he never, but, but, but suffering is one of those things that the enemy will try to hijack you to get you sideways with God, to get you sideways with the body of Christ. And if he gets you out there on a limb by yourself, and man, Katie barred the door after that. He got you. The other area is through success. So one end, he's, he's walking over here in the suffering. The other side of it is success. What is success? The enemy's attempt to get you to believe that you are responsible for your own success. Anybody ever done that? I knew I'd get a, a witness. It was about two or three right here. Thank you, brother. We can all get caught up in our success. And I'm telling you, that's just as big a distraction if you're not grounded in God as suffering is. And the enemy will pull you away right in the midst of your high time. He'll pull you away. Philippians 2 and 13 says, For God is the one working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. God's doing the work. And he'll even do more if you'll yield more. He just wants to be your God. So what is the source of our joy? This is where the rubber meets the road. What is the source of our joy? We talked about all the things, all the methods, all the ways, all the different experiences. We try to, 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 to get to this thing called true joy, and we keep finding ourselves uh, 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 broke, busted, and disgusted. We, we find ourselves in lack trying to figure this thing out. But when the source of our joy is in Christ, we are sustained, sustained through any suffering or success we may face. Romans 15 and 13, and this is our last scripture. Romans 15 and 13 says it's like this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. People, the source is the key. If, if, if it's in you, then you got to be a self-sustainer of that. And the truth of the matter is, you're not qualified. You're not qualified. You're not qualified. You'll be like a person in a boat with a hole in it, sitting in the, in the river with your bucket just because the circumstances and the trials of life.
He is the source. He is the source. And that's how we're going to get true joy. Regardless of the circumstances, whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley, He is the sustainer. He's the one that provides peace. That, that, that void in your heart that some of you may be feeling right now, you have found yourself for years just trying to keep this thing going. The truth of the matter is, is some of you are about to give up. Some of you here and even online are about to just throw in the towel. I had an opportunity to talk with an individual that owned a, a, a mortuary. And I, you know, when, when, you, when you get the owner, you can ask them them, them, them them questions you would normally ask. And I said, is, is death seasonal? I said, is, 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 are there spikes? She said, yeah. During this very same period of time right now, when everybody's just in the holiday spirit, there are so many that about to throw in the towel. She said, this season right here of the year, there's a spike in deaths. So all of these happy faces and these, these positive attitudes, God's really truly on the inside, they're empty. And that's why people throw in the towel. I was shocked. I was shocked. You may be one of those people that have just been trying to do this thing on your own. But I will tell you this, God still just wants to be your God. And you got an opportunity right now to yield to his invitation. We'll call it a Christmas invitation. How about that? A Christmas invitation. The best gift you'll ever, ever, ever get. It'll never be on the Christmas tree on December the 25th. The best gift available for you has already been given. All you got to do is receive it. The best gift for this season is to accept Jesus Christ into your life. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you now, Lord, and we, we thank you for the the simplicity of this word. We, we, we thank you, Lord God, that you did send your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And Father, we know that he's not on that cross anymore, that, that he fulfilled the law. He, he died. He paid that penalty. Father, you raised him from the dead. Father, your word says that if we confess our sins and believe that Jesus is the son of God, Lord, that you will forgive us and Lord, that we will be saved. So if you don't have that relationship with God, if you're just finding yourself trying to find and get joy and peace in your own strength, I'm just going to encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Lord, I confess my sins unto you. I believe in my heart that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe that the Holy Spirit, you raised him from the dead. And Father, your word says, 
if I confess and believe that I should be saved. So I receive you now as my Lord, as my Savior, and as my God. Amen. Now church, we can look up now. Some of us are in the body. And the scripture lets us know that if we're in the, the body, and if we're a branch and we're truly tied to the, to the vine, this joy thing should be one of the, the products, if you will, displayed in our life. So I encourage you to check your source, particularly during this season. Check your source. Check your source. Let's not fall for the counterfeit any longer. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. The band is going to close us out with a song of worship. And as we worship the King, see Him as truly the light of this awesome world that He has put us in. Shake and tremble before